ceiling is the roof. I'm Bobby. You're Mike. Mm -hmm. King Cobra. Combined. There has to be two members of the team together at one time. It's like Optimus Prime, but only, you know, two, two head count. There's then four it's King of them Cobra. Here. Well, I mean, on the microphone or on the camera. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So together we are King Cobra. But yeah, thanks for having me on your show, Robert. Um, I think it's your show. I think oh, you're the first build of the show. Oh, it's not uh, in there anymore. You removed it. Not yeah, I'm pretty feelings. sure it's with Mike Marshall and Bobby Carell. Oh, okay. So thank you for coming on your yeah, own no show. No worries. No worries, man. Um, excited about playoff basketball. Uh, noon on Saturday isn't exactly how I wanted this awesome season to uh, to end and then begin again. But here we are. I can't do anything about that, so I'll worry about what I can do things about. Um, I didn't want this to be an injury week. Now that we have this five-day gap, uh, that was kind of the worst thing that could have happened. Not necessarily from, like, just dealing with it. Like, I don't know. It definitely does suck. There's no way around that. But just having to watch the press conferences and how people, like, ask the same questions for nine straight minutes of whoever is up there, if it's JB, if it's Spencer, if it's J-Kid, like... I don't, I don't know what they're expecting. Like, there's a few things about this industry that I'm never really comfortable with, and it's the uh, injury week press conference. or And this is a guy right here that lived through the, uh, the Ezekiel Elliott six-week six suspension, not suspended, went to Sherman to a courthouse to get a injunction he can play this week isn't playing next week i heard you help make that happen you know a lot about sherman yeah i do um so i lived through that so i'm already i guess maybe I, my tolerance is very low for just injury question press conference but it's just the same question over and over how are y'all gonna you know uh what are you gonna do without luca out there and i guess they just want everybody to just go like i don't know i'm gonna crawl in a corner and cry and just turn the ball over you every do kind of have to ask though you know well, once you, once you say it, I don't need you to say it in a different word scramble That's true. five more times. That's like, true. What's been said has been said. Yeah, and, like, the guys are, you know, we have a very mature team. The guys are not going to give you anything if they don't have to. So once you say, like, yeah, we got a game plan for him, we got a game plan without him. Like, move forward. Um, so that was kind of brutal, just listening to that yesterday. And I didn't want this awesome season, which is the best regular season since 2011, to be the bow on top of, okay, we don't know if one of the top three players in basketball is going to be playing game one, game two, or there's not a timeline on it. So it's not fun, but we're here now. So <laughs> living in it, living with it. Whether or not he plays, though, still leading up to the series, there's a lot of different compelling storylines to talk about, and we're about to touch mm -hmm. them all, man. Yeah. Uh, we've been doing this for a few years now. I think our I mean, we've been doing the show since 2018. Our first playoff preview, obviously, wasn't until the bubble, 1920, mm -hmm. uh, previewing Mavs Clippers. And then we did another long one last year, Mavs Clippers Part 2. But kind of this show's whole deal is just giving us an hour and a half to just kind of talk about how we're feeling about things. And I agree with you. It is a bummer. This is supposed to be the most exciting time of year, and instead we're just learning a lot about calves. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's not exactly how anyone wanted to spend this week, but... Um, well, just be careful with hashtag calf watch. You're going to get a lot of calves being born on farms around the North Texas area. That's cool, though. It's pretty cool, but it's a very stressful uh, evening for a farmer um, if you want to get into it. <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's like you know from experience. Uh, I mean, I did go to a school that uh, didn't really have like a technology class, but would teach you how to like weld and raise a pig. 
Um, so FFA wasn't like its its own thing. It was like no, that was kind of the whole. That was the cool kids. Yeah, that was like the culture. Yeah, that was yeah. the that was the for the culture before the yeah for the culture. But uh, yeah, if you keep hashtagging calf watch, you're gonna you're gonna find some some new calves being born. I think I know how I'm gonna arms. spend my night. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> it's uh, hectic. It's yeah. hectic. The but, difference uh, the difference between this year and and previous years though is we are recording this in Studio Forty One. Yeah. If you're listening to this, it is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. If you're watching this on YouTube. Yeah, go, uh, go do the other one. Yeah, Whatever one um, you're on, stop and go do the other one. We're also streaming this on Twitch for the first ever time. This is the mm-hmm. first, I think the first live-streamed podcast that okay. we've done in Studio 41 presented by Chime. So is very it still cool a stuff. podcast if it's live-streamed? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. We I gave the whole disclaimer at the start that it is a podcast. I feel like podcast is one of those like super snackable words that no one really knows what it's... What does podcast mean? Like, was it abbreviation? Because this is on camera, so it's really a show. It's yeah, it's technically a TV show. Not even audible only. No, like I feel like we just adopted podcasts so quickly. Of course, like anything, the first five, ten years, they're like oh, only dorks do that. Yeah, only dorks do crypto. Only dorks do this. Like, and then everybody's doing it, and you're just like, oh, it's a thing. Um, but I feel like podcasts got accepted so quickly <laughs> as just jargon as a snackable word that gets thrown away that i don't even know what it means like i skipped that that education process but yeah whatever you're listening on like turn that one off and go listen to the other one because that'll help us do you think it's because you're casting something onto someone's ipod like you're it probably has to do with ipods you're broadcasting broadcasting to a yeah but then it was like such a thing of like on-demand podcast i don't know i'm not gonna get into the history of podcasts sorry well that's what this show is for dude i you were supposed to come prepared Uh, i am prepared i have so many notes over here about basketball but um, well, going into this series, mm-hmm. this is, you know, we've already talked about Lucas calf. There's a lot of unknowns in this series just beyond Luca. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say more unknowns than in previous seasons that where the Mavs have been to the playoffs, even going back to like the Dirk era, because mm-hmm. not only is there the huge wild card of will he play? Won't he play? If he does, how many games, if he misses, how many games will he miss? Um, but also, you know, the Mavs other guy, Jalen Brunson, was basically a non-factor last mm-hmm. season in the playoffs. You know, by the end of the series, was barely playing at all. And then the series before that, in 2020, he didn't even play. Um, Dwight Powell, kind of same thing, did not play in the bubble and then barely played last summer, and now all of a sudden he's like the starting center. Mm-hmm. Um, the same could be said for the Jazz. They're kind of coming apart at the seams, uh, reportedly. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a team that has a lot of playoff experience that does not, frankly, play like it. They've blown a lot of fourth-quarter leads. I believe uh, Mark Falwell said the second or either most or second most losses this season when leading after the third quarter. Hmm. But in order to have that many losses, it means you got to be leading a lot of times right. too. So they're still gotta a very out. good team. So yeah. are they are they bad or are they good? What's the deal? And also too, you know, the biggest unknown of them all in preparation for this podcast, Mike, you very fearlessly watched all four games that the Mavs and the Jazz played against each other this yeah, it season. It wasn't great. But one of the games was peak COVID. Uh, Jalen Brunson missed one of them. Rudy Gobert missed one of them. Spencer Dinwiddie played in one of them right after being traded. It was the first mm-hmm. game after the All-Star break. Didn't really know what the rotation was. So it's kind of like, not only do we not know who's going to play and how Utah's going to play, but we also don't know like just straight up how these teams match up even. Yeah, I mean, you want to compare apples to apples. Your, five, your best eight to nine guys and then our best eight to nine guys, but that just hasn't been the case, right? Christmas was... Luca was out. Um, Jalen misses game three. Gobert and Boyan miss game four. So you like to 
get a read of how you're going to play this and how each team is going to attack each position. And it's not necessarily there for you. And you're right about the Jazz, that they are a very complicated team. Um, Numbers-wise, on-the-court-wise, reportedly locker-room-wise. Um, but like we've talked about a few times, they're still going to play basketball on Saturday and on Monday and the rest of the series. They're not just going to not play this series because the Jazz reportedly don't like each other. It would be right? sweet if they didn't. It'd be awesome. cool if they just like didn't want to. If they were just like, ah, we're good. Like, let's move on with this thing. Um, but that's, I don't know. I don't want to say that's like lazy analysis. It's just like not something I care about. <laughs> I don't care that they don't like each other. I've seen teams that don't like each other win championships. And I've seen teams that don't like each other crater like the Lakers whenever we played them in 2011, right? So it can go one of two ways or one of 50 ways, honestly. Um, but you're going to win the series, you're going to lose the series. It doesn't matter if you like each other or not. So I want to talk about the basketball that has happened in the previous four games, the basketball that the Jazz have been playing of late because they are a different team since I believe it was February 30th, uh, Joe Ingles' injury. February 30th, that date doesn't exist, Mike. February 29th, whatever, mm. or 28th, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, does it? I think it was January because he got traded. He was got it traded. January 30th? Yeah, yeah without okay. Ingles, that was a huge, Feb one, huge loss. Feb 1, yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Feb 1 was the first game without Ingles. Um, so... They're a different team since Ingles has been gone. And I can jump into numbers, but let's just talk about them in general, right? So last year we played the Clippers, who were the best three-point shooting team in the history of common, modern NBA basketball. Very annoying. Yeah, absolutely annoying. They can just – you walk off the bus and the math slaps you in the face, right? It, you're, you're, you're down. And if the math doesn't, then Kawhi's off yeah, on Will and yeah. Paul George is off on Exactly, Will. and that's another thing whenever you're talking about JB not playing – I think he can play in this series. He's proven he can play against the Jazz, right, in the games that he's, been, he's participated in. So you go into a series, and one of your best, uh, what, two or three best offensive players isn't without a home in this series. Jalen Brunson will have a role. Will it be starting point guard, main initiator, because Luke is out, or will it be JB's normal starting off-guard or off-ball guard role? We'll see. But we're not playing the Clippers anymore. So it's not the best three-point shooting team ever. It's just the team that shoots the most threes in basketball. So that's a lot of volatility in terms of swings and points. Um, when they're not hitting versus when they're hitting. They have the best offensive rating in basketball. I, don't, I honestly don't read too much into that. Like, yeah, they're good. They're a playoff team. They're a very good basketball team. I get that. Um, but to me, when I watch their games and particularly – Last, whatever, 22 or so. Uh, I think they're 11-11 since, since March. They are a really, really bad ball movement team. You can see it in assist numbers. You can see within games. The ball just does not move. That's and a big point of kind of criticism for Mitchell. Yeah. You know, Ingles, like, last year Utah was the number one team in the NBA, like, in every stat, basically. Mm -hmm. Best yeah. record, best everything. They were awesome. Ingles was a huge part of what they did. Yeah, You could play him with the starters or off the bench. He was kind of a point guard, but also the best three-point shooter in the NBA. Mm -hmm. So really unfair cheat code. Without him, you know, off the bench, it's Clarkson, who's a scorer. Mm -hmm. And guys like Trent Forrest, guys like Rudy Gay, you know, not like endpoints, Daniel House, shooters. Mm -hmm. 
defenders, mm-hmm. not playmakers. Yep. So now their only two main facilitators that you would really hand over the reins to would be Mike Conley, whose minutes have been restricted, and mm-hmm. then Donovan Mitchell, who I would say is more of a shot creator for himself than for his teammates. I feel like his assist numbers reflect that too. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, let's just jump into the Ingles thing because I try to find a way like to explain it in my mind. Like if we lost X player, it would be the equivalent of them losing Joe Ingles. And to me, it's almost like Dorian. Like it's not the same skill set, but it's the lineup connector that can guard what, like two, three, four. Obviously, Doe's not going to shoot <laughs> whatever Ingles was, 40-plus percent from three. Come close. He can come close, but it just nothing works quite right. Like, it's to me, it's whenever you watch a game with us and we don't have Reggie and Doe out there. You don't have, like, that depth at the wing. You don't. So if you have Boyan and Ingles and Donovan Mitchell, then it's, like, full system of failure on that end of the court. For us, it's like, okay, JB, Reggie, Doe, Spencer – Right, and so when one of those things gets taken out, and you don't have an advantage off the bench, and Jordan Clarkson isn't having the same kind of year, man, you look like the Jazz have looked over the last twenty-two, which is a five hundred team, below five hundred on the road. Um, it just everything just seems extremely difficult for them, and that's been reflected in the the third and fourth game we played against them. It's bad ball movement it's getting down by double digits and having no way to climb back in um i mean they're below 30 percent from three in the fourth quarter in the last two months they just they just clam up like it's not there the ball's not flying it's not hot you got no extra passing man yeah there's no extra passing and i'm not saying like joe ingles fixes all that but but he does i mean he kind of does not yeah. single-handedly but when he was on the floor this year more than 1100 minutes 57 percent assist rate which is really nice yeah when he's been off the floor which obviously because he got hurt and missed a ton of games 1470 minutes off the floor only 52.7 percent i mean it's like having another point guard out there yeah. so you're thinking about dorian is right too because you know not only is ingles you know, kind of very unique and, and important and sort of glue, uh, the grease that keeps the wheels moving uh, in many respects, but also his character-wise, personality-wise, kind of chemistry-wise, was really the thing that kept that thing tied together because obviously, you know, Donovan and Rudy, now whether that's been overblown or not, I frankly don't mm-hmm. care, but there's been a lot of smoke. Um, and Ingles was clearly one of the guys that kind of kept that thing sort of neat and tidy and, and, sure. and together. And Utah's chemistry was a huge reason why they won a million games last year. Mm-hmm. Without that, things can fester a little longer. You know, things can be a little more awkward. Mm-hmm. Things can be a little more uncomfortable. And suddenly, if the other team hits you with an 8-2 run, then you're starting to kind of look over your shoulder like, All right, who can I trust? You yeah. know, and, and who who's going to stop this? Um, and, you know, the, the answer is I haven't been easy to find. Yeah, I, I just don't – I don't think you can over-exaggerate what he meant to that team. Not that he's like an all-NBA first-team guy, but lineup connectivity, having a plus from your bench unit, and now it's not like in the games they played against us, like they're just like they're trying to figure something out with the bench unit, and they're a negative. It's a negative unit. It's a negative lineup, and they're trying to stagger Donovan back to it and sneak him in there, and if it's not Jordan Clarkson getting his shot in the lane, there's just nothing happening, man, because it goes from – Joe Ingles coming off the bench to, like, Trent Forrest, Daniel House, that crew. 
and those, I mean, those guys are fine NBA players. They are not Joe Ingles. Dynamic, yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no dynamic playmaking. It's, Mavs like, it's like the Mavs losing Hardaway. I mean, last yep. year Ingles finished second, I think, in sixth man of the year, or third. Mm-hmm. Hardaway finished top five, maybe even fourth. Mm-hmm. You know, without Hardaway, bench scoring has been a huge problem for Dallas this yep. year. Now, the Dinwiddie trade helped correct that. Dinwiddie mm-hmm. and Bertans off the bench has really been a big gift, but like, if you subtract 10, 15 points and like three, four, five assists, not only are you trying to fill minutes, you're just trying to replace production. They just don't have, they don't have that guy. Yeah. Not to say that Clarkson can't just play over his head, which I think he will at least a couple times. He can, and I think there's going to be a game or two where Jordan Clarkson gets goes nuclear, and he's his offhand's going to have a great series if they don't call it like they never ever do in the playoffs. Because there were, I don't know, maybe five, six possessions in game three and four where he almost, like, throws Josh Green to the ground with his offhand. Very much <laughs> yeah, exaggerated yeah. harm. It's it's incredible. But uh, maybe they call the playoffs, maybe they don't. But I don't, that guy's been... That'll not, be on J-Kid and coaching yeah. staff to say, like, look, look, look. Hey, 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 yeah. look. Yeah, and so I'm I'm building this case of, like, why we're a better team than them on the face, right? And, I mean, you can look at records. You can look at whatever you want. Uh, we have 52 wins. They have 49, right? Like, it's on, there's evidence there, but now you take Superman out of the equation. And it's like, I don't even know how to, like, wrap my mind around what the team looks like if it's Jalen and Spencer in the backcourt. Because Spencer is giving me extreme Jason Terry vibes. But whenever that shot's not falling for Jason Terry, like, you know, you know what that looks like. You're like, man, why did he take that shot? Like, what was that? You know? So I don't want that magic to wear off. Um, five days off is a long time. And the other thing that I can't quite get my, my fingers around and like completely understand is how is playoff basketball going to look different for us? Because honestly, last season, as I was talking with you earlier, like I had a kid right in the middle of the playoffs. I don't even remember that. I don't remember any of that. Like, you were showing me some moments of, like, series ended here, and I was like, man, I don't remember that. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> Sadly, I do. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I remember games one and two, and the rest of the series, like, oh, we advanced, didn't we? Dude, last season felt like, I don't know, this is obviously hindsight bias, and, and you know, everyone knows how the, the Rick and Donnie thing came to an end and what happened this summer and the stuff about Bob and all the drama and, and then KP, too, but, like, Last season, it felt like not only were they going up against the Clippers, but they, it felt like they were like playing against something else, too. It felt like they were playing like a one-on-two. It was really weird. There was just never, you know, six minutes into game three, obviously, was words that I can't say <laughs> I'll get in trouble, but like it ruled. Mm-hmm. But then literally everything that happened after that was like, it just did not feel e- easy, not even in the sense of like, obviously, the playoffs are going to be tough, but everything just felt so just tough just mm-hmm. hard mm-hmm. it did not feel easy it felt like they were felt like they were playing themselves more than they were even playing the clippers it was just it was really bizarre yeah cuz obviously you had you know whatever internal things i don't even care about that at this point but just from an x's and o's standpoint like let's put kp in the corner for the whole series and just figure it out like they were just doing things that were so completely out of character mm-hmm. and, and what they're not used to that it made it it made it very, very difficult. It was just so clunky at times. Yeah, and I mean, it's not that dissimilar from the year before where you can't go to the things that Rick was comfortable with, you know? 
I mean, you end up starting Vauban. Like, you're just do, you're doing bits almost at some point. Just like, look over here, look over here. I'm trying to score a basket. Because the way that they'd played was such a bad matchup for the Clippers. Yeah. So, like, we got just got to try something extreme. Yeah, just try something. I can't get Jalen minutes. KP's got to hide in the corner. Like, that was, that was such a bad matchup, and it's crazy to me that it went that long, that yep. series. Um, that's a credit to them, honestly, because you got off the bus and that team, you're outflanked, man. You're, you're, you're going to lose. They, they were better than you. Um, but this year, I, did, I mean, <laughs> it's funny how, how the view has changed. All we kind of did was swap Jay Rich for Reggie and KP for Spencer, which, I mean, if you asked anybody, like, beginning of the season, is that a deal you want to do? Like, is, that, is this your plan? It would be like, okay, y'all are worse. But no, <laughs> no, the, the opinion of our players has shifted substantially. And so this year when you get off the bus, I'm like, I like our roster more. We're deeper and we have more guys that I trust to play. At this, at this point, at least, seeing the way Utah's been last 22 games, they're, not, they're just not that great of a basketball team. But I still think that's in them to, for Boyan to go off for 25 and Jordan Clarkson to do the same thing. And then, oh, man, like, we got, we got a series going now. What if Conley turns it back? Yeah, and, yeah. And Mitchell, <laughs> I drop my stress. I'm, I'm so stressed, I can't even hang on the stress ball. Um, yeah. Mitchell has gone for 50 in playoff yeah. games before. I mean, this is, you know, I was going to ask you this, but now I just want to now. Okay, go for Who it. Who is the, Mitchell's the easy answer, so I don't even, mm-hmm. don't say him. Who is the other Jasmine, the, mm. the jazz player, that you are just having nightmares about already. That you're you're I mean, just dreading. I feel like who's the Reggie Jackson of the Jazz? <laughs> I feel like in the nicest way, Jordan Clarkson is empty calories. It's almost like he and Conley kind of do the same things right now, which is attack without much vision, and they don't get other people involved. And it's like, cool man, you use twenty two seconds to shoot a shot that isn't quality look and you got two points out of it like I will take that bet I'll put that money on the roulette table every time so for me it's 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 Boyan uh the I think the fourth third or third game we played them he was just coming off a season or career high 35 points he scored their first like eight or ten and no one ever thinks about that dude He's just kind of like the fourth cover. Like if you're putting like things on the dry race board, like really watch out for because this will kill us. Like you're never thinking about Boyan creating his own shot or knocking down. I think he hit 11 threes in a game this season. Against the Thunder the night before. That was that 11 same game. threes. Yeah. Like he's that kind of player. And he's fine defensively if you get him in the right matchup. He's not going to be one-on-one with Luke or anything. Um, but that's the guy that tilts the scale for them if they have a plus they're you know whatever he would measure up to be fifth sixth seventh best player can go off for 35 and hit 11 threes whereas I don't Reggie might be able to Doe might be able to I they just haven't done it you know what I mean Mm. so just being able to break the math like that hit 11 threes in a game get those looks, number one. Like, just be able to get the <laughs> – being able to shoot 11 threes in a game is remarkable. Like, them, someone letting you shoot 11 threes in a game but then making 11 of them, like, that's a special skill that no one's going to account for. We're going to stop Conley. Like, we found a pretty good – I think we found a pretty good defense on the Conley-Gobert uh, pick and roll and different things they throw 
through Mike Conley, and I, I feel comfortable about that. Like, that guy, I really like Mike Conley. I, I wanted him here for a really long it's gonna time. It's going to suck so bad rooting against him, dude. Yeah, yeah, he's a great dude. Love it's that just, guy. He just looks like 75% Mike Conley right now. And, yeah, he's older, so maybe he is. But it's just not an effective thing for him to be driving down the lane at this moment because um, he's not finding guys. I don't know what it is. I don't know if we're just playing the right kind of, like, tempo with him and just – blitz right when the passing lane is open and then come back and and the the go bear just pick and pick and dive pick and roll is that hasn't been an issue for us in the last two games um and a lot of it is timing like when he's open the guy with the ball can't see him because we're trapping or helping off or getting in his face and he's been there like standing like hey hey and they can't get that's the, the word with mitchell right is like you yeah. have enough time to watch film and and really specifically game plan. In the playoffs, so many teams are going to switch. Mm-hmm. Mavs probably aren't going to switch. Yeah. I don't think you're going to see Dwight Powell switch on to Donovan Mitchell probably ever yeah. in this series. Certainly if, you know, not in game one, unless things get really out of hand. Um, they're either going to blitz or they're going to try and hedge. They're going to do something and allow, you know, play drop, and then you're giving up Mitchell pull-up threes. But they are not going to switch Powell onto Mitchell the way that the Clippers were able to switch everything. Mm-hmm. And so that Rudy role is going to be open. It will be open at times. Yeah. And if Mitchell can become a passer, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, points to be had. But that's not really in his nature. You know, the thing that worries me the most about blitzing Mitchell is, you know, I, I think the Mavs can do it. They have done it effectively. They did it super effectively, I thought, in the third and fourth time they played each other this season, both those games mm-hmm. in Dallas. Of course, one of those games – Boyan didn't play, right. and then that same night Rudy didn't play, so it was a little different. But when you blitz Mitchell, it feels like he's always looking to find the nearest guy, which mm-hmm. is usually Conley or the other guard. Right. Like, get it on my hands quick. I'm not trying yeah. to make a tough pass. Yeah. But where the Jazz are best, they pass it to Conley. Conley's going to swing it over to O'Neal. Yeah. O'Neal's going to swing it over to Bogdanovich in the corner, and then you're yeah. dead. And so yeah, if every you can time deny... you blitz Mitchell, you're risking leaving Bogdanovich open. Right. If you can deny Conley being that outlet, which is just kind of like overplaying him, I guess, in the passing lane. It can be that simple. It could be. Because if you swing to Trent Forrest or Royce O'Neal, like, I don't think those guys have the, this guy's open right now, the ball needs to go there. Well, certainly, they're not going to dribble, that's right. for sure. Right, And so if, if you do blitz Mitchell or trap him or get him to kill, the, kill his dribble and Conley's not the nearest guy, that's a win. Get the ball out of his hands – Rudy's pick and roll is dead. He's just standing in the dunker spot, not really doing anything. Okay, now you're going one-on-one, which is what they are way too comfortable doing, but it doesn't, like, really work. Unless like, Donovan just goes nuclear. Yeah, yeah. Which is possible. He could. But the other thing that's an issue, I mean, and this is where things get real kind of weird, is, you know, Utah struggles against teams that want to play small because you can manipulate the floor spacing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Kind of yank Rob- Gobert out. But... Utah's the fifth-best offensive rebounding team in the NBA. Mm-hmm. They got Gobert. They got Whiteside. One of those guys going to be on the floor at all times. They're always going to have the tallest player on the floor. Mm-hmm. If Maxie's playing at center, uh, you know, Maxie is much better rebounding from the four than from the five. Mm-hmm. And if you ever switch, then it's going to be Dinwiddie or Luka or Bullock or Finney Smith or Brunson or Josh Green boxing out Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. And – you know, you can allow all the tough off-the-dribble ISO twos and threes that you want. That's great. 
But if you can't limit the other guys to one shot, then it's not going to matter. It's deflating. You're going to pick up fouls. You're going to give up and ones. You're going to get pissed off. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to go on runs. You're not going to be able to get on transition, which you have to do in order to beat Utah. They're way too good uh, against as, as a set defense to just you know pick them apart. So it's you know there's Dwight Powell is going to have to basically have the box out series of his life. I think is yeah. pretty much what this is going to come down to. They were doing some pretty clever stuff. Uh, in games three and four with uh, – or games three against against Gobert, just trying to deal with not getting, like, a negative 10 result in the rebounding battle or letting him get offensive boards, which is just <laughs> – when he's not looking like someone else just comes and pins him down and make, okay, now choose a side because there's one guy throwing all of his weight into you from this direction. So if the ball's over here, like – They got to, like, three of you want him, yeah, basically. Yeah, and they might do that. I mean, you've seen that in playoffs before where it's just two guys boxing out one guy and dealing with the repercussions from it, right? Um, but they were doing – they game three, it wasn't that big of an issue, but if you have multiple games and a week to scout and you figure this out, and it's like, okay, well, if you see your guy go crash on Rudy, like, go get that put back. You know, it's, it's just kind of a coaching thing. Um, one of the other things was game – I think it was game – yeah, it was game three. Um, well, probably game three and four. It's just – Spider Donovan Donovan Mitchell was kind of hurt, but not hurt in the in the fourth game. Like kept coming in and out, so I didn't judge him too harshly on kind of shot selection and, and what was going on with him. But game three, they started playing off him quite a bit, and he was just shooting that super high arcing three and leaving it short every single time. And that was a decision they were willing to make. It was uh, okay. I can't. You know, I'm gonna drop. You want that shot? You want that pull up? After you've he does this. They do this weird screen with him, where it's it's not quite what Luca does with the, like the the double screens. It's it's like this snaking. Like I'm gonna use that pick, and then I'm gonna use that pick again, and I'm gonna bet that you're out of position, and I have a straight line at this point. And we did a really good job hedging that and just saying shoot, shoot the ball from there if you, you want get it. The hand in his face. Too. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and they were doing. They were like, it looked like that was something they talked about in the locker yeah, room. Yeah, no, no, one hundred percent. Yeah. They played the third time against the Jazz on mm-hmm. March 7th. Mm-hmm. They played the second time, February 25th. Yeah. Mitchell hit seven of those threes, took 12 of them or 11 mm-hmm. of them. They were all wide open. Yeah. They just kept they kept sagging off, sagging off, sagging mm-hmm. off. And Jake was like, yeah, no more. Yeah, because no it, was, it was like over-exaggerated closeouts. Like, You're coming way out there. Yeah, yeah. Maxi was like diving at him, like waving his hand. <laughs> and Dwight was doing the same thing. And it was like almost funny because they weren't really close to him. There was still like a couple, you know, four or five feet. Close enough. But yeah, close enough to, and they would like do that to like, did they get the ball? I don't know. You know, we were coming up that tricky stuff. But um, yeah, that was that was a decision in game three. There's like almost a stretch of the game where the game got extremely simple, where it was, we're gonna play off Donovan. If he can knock down three of his next four threes, they're gonna get back in this game. On the other side, they started switching bigs onto Luca, and he knocked down like four threes in that third quarter. And they were, he and Denwood, he took turns. Yes, yes, yes. The Whiteside—that's that's the thing. Because I'm watching Whiteside in a couple of those games, and I'm like, man, he's going to be a problem offensively. Uh, him on offense, whenever he's setting the screens and rolling, because he just has better timing on it than Rudy. Rudy feels like he's, like, checking a box. <laughs> like, set the screen, now I go. And it's like, there's no, like, pace to it, tempo. Whiteside has some... And he can catch and pivot and yeah. go up with either hand, too. And he's kind of stronger around the basket with the, than Rudy is. So he kind of worried me. That's my second guy. Like, if 
if Boyan's my first of like, don't, 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 don't let that guy get hot. Do not let him be a factor in this series. Um, besides the obvious, um, Whiteside offensively, because you can, they were doing some pretty clever stuff. The second Whiteside got in the game offensively from us, they started doing basically a pick and roll and then a pick on the big. So whenever he's trying to recover and get back in the lane, he's turns and there's a guy on his hip and he's like, "Uh Oh, what now? It's like the double, it's like screen the screener thing. Um, but it was like a pick and roll with another action behind it, which was always on white side before he even noticed. Rudy was better at it. Rudy caused a bunch of offensive fouls because he would he'd open up and get trying to get back. But the second white side gets in there, it's almost like white side play, run the white side play, two, two, go do it. Mm. And they did that to him about four or five times in a row, and it was always buckets at the rim. So he can be – his points can be made up. But offensively, he's very good. Off the bench, if he's their five – you know, I, I don't know about Maxi's status, but whether or not Maxi plays game one, game mm-hmm. two, game seven, whatever, you know, you're probably looking Marquise Chris might get a chance. You know, mm-hmm. and if if Dwight gets in foul trouble, Marquise might play a little bit. But I think that their their first look at back of five is either obviously gonna be Maxi or Bertans if mm-hmm. Maxi's out. And so I wonder Bertans played okay. Yeah, but with the way that Utah wants to play defense, I wonder if you know, I, I guess a, a lot of pressure is going to be on Bertans and Whiteside in game one. Whichever one asserts himself a little better is going to mm-hmm. force the other team to adjust because if Whiteside is getting the best of Bertans, all right, it's Chris time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Boban maybe, even, I have no <laughs> idea. But, like, yeah. if Bertans out here bombing threes, if Maxie's making shots, um, you know, if, if the Mavs are playing even, I don't know, Josh Green or Dorian or mm-hmm. one of these guys at five, mm-hmm. I think Utah does have to adjust sooner than later. I, I don't think that you can have – you know, they're obviously a grain of salt because they're a very good team, but they're significantly worse on perimeter defense without Ingles than they were mm-hmm. whenever he was healthy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, McMahon was in here the other day, uh, Tim McMahon from ESPN, and he said that Gobert is their best perimeter defender. Yeah. And, like, if Gobert's out of the game, that's not a very good thing. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, if, if you're just if you're just dominating them on the perimeter, I think Utah might have to end up going like Rudy Gay at five. Mm-hmm. Or Pascal, who I thought was okay against yeah, the Mavs at he was five. Okay. Or Daniel House at the five. Or just something like yeah. Utah might have to go very small. Mm-hmm. Very, very small. Uh, and if, if Bertans or Maxi or whoever has a good couple, you know, game one, game two. Yeah. I mean – that's kind of the goal is to make them adjust pretty quickly and do things they don't want to do. If Luca's not there, I don't know if you, if you're the one holding the controller necessarily, you know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, Whiteside worries me. Boyan worries me. The, I, I think they still have that best offensive basketball somewhere inside of them. And we're going to see it for like a half maybe. Um, but you're right. They their perimeter defense is it's just not good at this point. Um and you know, feel like we're doing we're doing a Joe Ingles podcast, but that guy there, I don't know if it fixes it or if it kept it at bay. If it was enough, it was just enough probably. Um but it's almost Rudy's in the uh third game. Rudy gets switched on to Luca a couple times. And he seems like he like both of them want that matchup. And that's kind of a goofy thing to, like, see, you know, a 7-2 or whatever defensive player of the year guy, like, want that perimeter matchup. Well, and then he gets cooked a couple times, and he starts sagging off a little bit more, and he starts 
not knowing where he is on the floor with his space, and Lucas starts knocking down threes, right? And so if that's not there and Rudy can kind of like ice Jalen or ice Spencer along the perimeter and there's no one getting into the lane, man, that's, that's, that's a scary it's idea. Scary, that's, that's hard offense. That's very difficult offense for me. They're, they're probably going to – do you think if Luka doesn't play game one, do you think Utah comes out and switches everything? Doesn't care. I don't care. Gobert can stay in mm-hmm. front of Dinwiddie and Brunson. Or do you think yeah. they play the drop like they want to and say, hey, backups, mm-hmm. hey, other guys, prove to us that you can beat us, and then we'll adjust if we have to? Which yeah. – what, what do you think they're going to do? I think they, do, they play drop. Like, Quinn Snyder seems like a guy that – is running the same stuff that he ran in preseason. It's just like, it'll work if you run it right. <laughs> Did you run it right? Huh? Did you execute? Because it, Gobert had so much success switching against yeah. Luka. But yeah. if Luka doesn't play, I don't know how he'd... He could probably stay in front of Brunson. I feel like Dinwiddie could maybe get him in foul trouble. Dinwiddie, Spencer's yeah. very... Spencer's, Spencer's wild. Awesome, dude. Spencer's awesome. Like, if he would have gone somewhere else and did this, I'd be so upset because I'm like... I thought, thought y'all didn't want this guy in Washington. Like, what was wrong with him? And then, But he comes here, and I'm like, dude gets a call whenever he wants a call. The, he's doing the, the, I don't want to say the Dirk stuff that he used to do in his career, but the Dirk stuff at end of possessions where I'm going to get the shot I want, I'm going to get the foul call. There's little to nothing you can do about it. And he's so clever with his tempo and his steps and getting somebody to, like, nudge him over and sell him the foul that, like, he's, he's got to be so frustrating. But I think Jalen might get eaten up a little bit if Rudy switches on him, and then it's right decision time, right? Am I corner? Am I getting it out of here? But that's not a I, – I don't like that. I don't like that matchup at all. Like, I just I – don't, I don't want Rudy being able to – with two of them out there, maybe it's fine. Maybe Spencer and Jalen can bail each other out and get enough good looks. It's just – man, we're, we're constructed to play with Luka Doncic at – the one getting a 40% usage. Six, seven point guard at the yeah, one. That's yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. That's if, the thing. If you take that out of our equation, then we're almost the jazz at some point. Like, yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah. Conley does a lot of like the same stuff that Jalen did before Jalen figured out how to get like exactly at the rim like he did this year. Um, so it just makes. For, for a team that has the best offensive rating in basketball, their offense looks like it is hard work. <laughs> what up, Dre? <laughs> who, do you think, uh, who do you think they put O'Neal on? Let's, let's assume, obviously, if Luka plays, O'Neal's oh, on Luka. That's yeah, obvious. Yeah. But do you think they put O'Neal on – I bet they put O'Neal on Spencer. Yeah. And then if they switch, then O'Neal can just switch and guard Dwight. Because if they mm-hmm. rescreen for Brunson, then Brunson, Brunson, <laughs> then O'Neal can switch on to Jalen. But does that mean that? Does that mean it's Mike Conley on Jalen? I think so. Like, I like that matchup a lot for Jalen. Yeah, I think that could I like be. that matchup a lot for. I mean, length is mm-hmm. the problem. Mm-hmm. Little guys, Jalen bullied, dude, bullied Beverly in the playoffs last year. Yep. He was bullying Reggie Jackson. I think Terrence Mann tried guarding him and couldn't like. That series swung because they put Batum on Brunson. Mm-hmm. They don't have a Batum. They got O'Neal, right. but if O'Neal's on Jalen, then that means that Conley's on Dinwiddie. Like, that's I think bad. I think Jalen is like the Jalen is the guy in Game One. Yeah. One hundred, he's got to be the guy. That's that's worse. It, Spencer, it's almost like it doesn't matter who's guarding Spencer. Like he decides like pre-shot if I'm going to make this shot. Like is the is the uh, shot icon green? Like it doesn't matter who's <laughs> yeah. in front of me. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like a lot of the times, so it's uh. 
I don't know. I would sacrifice somebody on Spencer. If it's Royce O'Neal, then so be it. He's their best defender outside of Rudy. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's the guy. That's their answer, right? Is Royce O'Neal go chase Spencer around and oh, you got in foul trouble pretty quick? Ugh, I don't have a whole lot of other plan. Daniel House, maybe you go chase him around. Like there's not there's not really a backup plan. I don't think if if Royce gets in early foul trouble against Spencer, but I think I think Conley on Brunson is away. They're gonna have to play it if it is if Luca is out for a game or two or however long. So I like and, and even if even if Luca does play, yeah, yeah. I, I I'm not risking Donovan Mitchell guarding Jalen if I'm Quinn Snyder. No, I'm not risking that. You're making Donovan work way too hard, mm-hmm. involving him in way too many actions. You are risking him picking up three fouls very quickly. Yeah, yeah. And if Luca is a go, if you know he wakes up Friday and is like, yeah, I can play basketball for 30 minutes and prove that I can play Saturday. They don't have a single player that can play him play good defense, acceptable defense against him consistently. For whatever reason, I thought Daniel House was like stayed in front of him, but Luca was just like laughing, shooting fadeaways on him. And Royce just, I mean, you know, leaving anybody on Luca right now one on one or is just it's malpractice. There are going to be a couple possessions where Rudy can stay on him, but that's a long term losing bet. Um, they don't have anybody that can operate defensively without help on Luca. So you're outflanked on that part, on that end of the court, if Luca's playing and he's healthy and he's the dude that we've seen, you know, I think, I mean, he's going to finish. <laughs> some point we need to talk about how good basketball is this year. <laughs> I know it's a dumb statement. It's like a clunky, goofy statement to make, but Luka Doncic can't, he's not top three in the MVP, which is insane. Absolutely insane, but it's right mm. because there are three other dudes having better seasons than him, rightfully so. That's I think this year is going to buoy like the league for a while, and that's without a bunch of guys who've been hurt all year. Yes. And you know, no LeBron, no AD, no Kawhi at all. One hundred percent. You know, one hundred percent. This series, like, I'm not trying to be hot take guy, but like, I think the Mavs are going to be able to score a lot of points with or without Luca. Mm. Points come easier yep. with Luca. Points come tougher without him, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, different guys are going to have to score. I think if you have Luca, then it's like you're opening the door for Dorian and Reggie because Luca's going to mm-hmm. command double teams. Um, without Reg- Luca, Reggie was awesome, dude. Reggie was so good in the third and fourth game. He's he just didn't miss. He's a very good player. He's, he's a very good player. He's the difference. He's the Ingles, yeah, right. Where you have like three of these wings that can do this thing. But they're never going to be double teaming Brunson and, and Dinwiddie, and so. Yeah. Brunson and Dinwiddie are going to have to score. They're going to have to combine for 50 basically mm-hmm. every night without Luka. But right. either way, I think the Mavs are going to score. I think there's an, an element, and the Mavs take a ton of threes too. I think since the trade, they actually take a higher percentage of shots from three than Utah. Oh, Those okay. are the top two teams in the league. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of make or miss. Mm-hmm. Because of the way Utah plays, because it's a lot of ISO, Clarkson and Mitchell in particular, you know, no disrespect, they're great players, but they take a lot of bad shots. Yeah. Like bad shots. For sure. But they make a lot of bad shots. Mm-hmm. They're bad shot makers. Yeah, and and very much bad shot takers. Yeah. And so some of this is just going to have to be luck, man. You're going to have to yeah. get a little lucky. And, and knowing that going in is really, really frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the key is to control the things you can control. One thing I thought was really interesting about these two is that Dallas and Utah are the two slowest-paced teams in the West. Yep. Uh, Dallas, 30th in the league. They're the slowest-paced mm-hmm. team in the league. Um, but, like, that's how both teams want to play. Both teams are top 10 in half-court offense. 
Both teams are bottom 10 in frequency of transition um, possessions. In top 10 half-court offense, I mean points per possession scored in half-court. Mm-hmm. Not just frequency, which they both are, but points per possession scored in the half-court. Um, both teams rank top 10 in team defense, so points per possession allowed, following a made shot by the offense. So like, if Luka goes down and scores, the Mavs can get back in defense. The Mavs are top 10 defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, same could be said for the Jazz, who I think the Jazz are actually number one. When they, whenever they make a shot, they're the best team in the league on defense, I, I believe. Could be wrong on that, but my memory is not that good. Um, so you have both teams. There's no like tug of war, push and pull of like who's going to control the tempo. You don't have some team that wants to go end to end versus a team that wants to you know hand off and, and play three yards in a cloud of dust. You know both of these two teams are grinders. Mm-hmm. This series is going to be basically decided by who can score the most points inside the final five seconds of the shot clock. Can it be the Mavs ISO players, or are the Jazz going to be able to put the Mavs through uh, the grinder enough to where, in the blender, that's what Quinn Snyder calls it, put them in the blender, where they are able to find Bogdanovich in the corner. They're mm-hmm. able to make the pass pass inside the final three seconds of the shot clock. Like, that is going to be the determining factor. I'm sure, probably, if I had to guess... If this thing goes seven games, I think the team that scores the most points or shoots the highest percentage inside the final four seconds of the shot clock is going to win five of these seven games. Low possession, close, a lot of three-point shots, but these games are going to be close. Whoever shoots best inside the final five seconds of the clock is going to win, I think, every game. Yeah, and I'm debating whether or not, like, (laughs) I want to – if we're leading going into the fourth quarter, like go ahead and cash that ticket because they've been very bad in fourth quarters of late. But I think they're, I think early in the season, they're way, I mean, they're obviously way better from three point range. I mean, they had a month where they shot 40% from three in a fourth quarter. Like that's killer. Like that's, that's just not missing <laughs> in fourth quarters, but March and April it's below 30. So if you can't generate good looks, and that's not just like make or miss, same exact shot. That's just you're not moving the ball. Um, there's a lot of hero ball on that team. Though. Yeah, there's a lot of like I got to get, I need a video, uh, <laughs> I need a baseline highlight of this assist I'm about to make. Like that's that's how it feels fourth quarters for them. And, and Donovan can do it for like one or two possessions and no one else is really doing it. And so – I think it's super important to just get any kind of lead on them. I mean, psychologically, um, and especially going coming out of the third quarter, man. Like, I don't know how nuclear, how many points and bunches type stretches we're gonna have. I think it'll be, I think it'll be able to be made up. But I think Utah gets down. You start with all that extras, all the extras that everyone's talking about. These guys don't like each other, that type of stuff. But that stuff is played out in a numerical, factual way in fourth quarters of late that I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to get this open look, and I'm going to make this shot. It's just – I feel like we do the opposite. It's just make the right play. Like, what is, the, what, is, what is this court asking me to do right now to get the best shot? And so I like, I like our vibe, our – fourth quarter mentality our overall scheme seems to be peaking outside of obviously not having <laughs> superman if that happens um when that's what i'm worried about too because in the fourth quarter yeah he's so he much makes it. the right play yeah 
Yeah, well, I mean, third has been pretty special of late, too, mm -hmm. dropping 20 points at a time. But, yeah, that's, that's the thing. What's your answer there? Because it, it does make it so simple when you can just create repeated one-on-one -on -one matchups along the perimeter and Jalen Spencer or Luka are out there. Yeah. That's, that's basketball. Or command a double team. Yeah, basketball is pretty simple at that point, right? Yeah. And so. It's just a dude. It's such a bummer that you just don't know. Maybe he plays on Saturday and it's great. You know, but maybe he doesn't play till game three. Maybe he doesn't play till game five. Maybe he doesn't play at all. Maybe he mm -hmm. plays, but he's not 100%. Yep. Maybe he plays and he's totally fine right from the get-go. So this is very tough because, like, you know, again, no disrespect to Utah. Utah could very well win the series even if Luka was completely healthy. Mm -hmm. But I was feeling very confident about the yes. way these two teams matched yes. up until there was, like, two minutes two left minutes in the left third the quarter, third, man. you know. And uh, it's just a, yeah. it's a big, 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 big bummer because, you know, again, Utah could have won the series anyway, mm -hmm. but I would have been pretty surprised. Yeah. Now it's like I will be just elated if Luke is even able to be part of game one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and like yeah. the, the, the gap between those two mm -hmm. feelings is, is wider than anything that I think we've experienced around here in a long time because – there just hasn't been it. I guess KP got hurt against the Clippers, but yeah. like, but KP is not Luca. Yeah, you know, you just don't want to be going into a series worrying about something besides like, uh, how do I attack this team with my full complement of players? And this it went from so quickly, and I don't know how this plays out. Like, if you're thinking that because I work for the team, like I have some insight on whether he's going to play or isn't going to play, or if it's an eight-day thing or a nine-day thing or if all the Twitter doctors are right or wrong or, you know, they're going to release, like, the level grade of the sprain or strain. Um, but... What's the difference between a sprain and a strain? Uh, are, do joints sprain but muscles strain? Is sure. that... Sure. I mean, it's just tiny tears is my understanding of okay. both of them. It's a tear. Like, it's just like a tiny tear, right? Um... But you're right. When this matchup was all but solidified and we're about to beat the Spurs for win 52 and the best regular season since 2011, I'm like, the Jazz do not know what's about to kick them in the head, dude. <laughs> they really don't. I mean, they played us a couple times in the last couple months and they might have a, a vibe for it, but they have no idea the hell that's about to be brought upon them. And then... One awkward step, and my confidence, it doesn't exist at this point. It's just like, <laughs> let's survive. <laughs> let us It's survival mode. It's yeah. survival mode. If you can steal game one and he doesn't play, like... This is a bummer to be talking about home games as the ones you need to steal. Yes. You know, you steal road games. 100%. 100%. It's, it's the, like one of the worst psychological swings of, you know, it's a 48-hour, 72-hour period, and maybe he's fine. Maybe he shows up Saturday and he's like, let's give it a go, and nothing, nothing else happens. And, but nobody knows except him and his, his left calf. No one knows. No one is going to know. So it doesn't, make, it doesn't help anything. And I don't know. I feel like mental fortitude is something we all need to practice a little bit more. But worrying about it and tweeting about it and lobbying the seventh question in a row that's the same thing in a new sentence structure at a player in a press conference is not going to do anything about it. It's really not. Yeah. It's just not. 
and then pelting Jason Kidd with questions and like, so when's the medical staff going to talk if you're not going to talk? Like, reporters get so pissy whenever you don't <laughs> like just roll over in like a little ball. And, like, but I mean, I fans want to know, but I mean, there's, there's just, nothing to know. Yeah, the, well, the thing is, yeah, there's it's just, nothing you to just know. don't know. There's nothing you to know. Don't know. It, it is. That Information doesn't exist. Injury, yeah, it is by nature. Yeah. A very, very much a day-to-day thing. Like, yeah. It's just a day-to-day thing. Yeah, it's not and, It's not a you know, B storyline that's going to reveal itself in minute 21 of this drama. Like, you're not going to know. You are not going to know. He's not going to know probably until Friday when he wakes up. And yeah, he, they might not know until Saturday at like 11.45. Yes. Like when he's try going and, through layup lines. You yeah. Know, you have no idea. Go out there and try and jump a couple times consistently and put the normal amount of weight and pressure on the thing. And then we will have your answer. Yeah. But you just don't know. And there's no way of knowing. And there's nothing that we can do to speed no, up the process. So and Get over it. Like, it's not going to help. You still got... Thursday, Friday, and 11 hours on Saturday. 11 to 12 hours on Saturday to worry about it. So if you want to do that, you're going to drive yourself insane. In the meantime, though, we're getting the NBA TV treatment and (laughs) all the undesirable time slots and everything. It's like, Adam, bro, you could have helped us out. You could have made it Sunday and Wednesday. No, let's go Saturday and Monday. (sighs) That was Uh, the other thing that was like selfishly annoying, right? I mean, I know you you got a wedding on Saturday. Uh... I would have liked a Sunday at like 3 p.m. game as well. Um, that was the other thing that I was trying to like have to separate. <laughs> like, like here's the main problem. Number two problem, almost as bad for me personally, but that's just being dumb. I mean, it's right? my world, dude. Yeah, exactly. It's my life. You're the main character. Yeah, so. I, I want this yeah. thing to go the way I want it to go. Yeah. Um, I mean, I also think it's natural to focus so much on Luca. He's that good. He's that important and everything. But also, I mean, it's not even in a condescending way, but like that's not the only storyline about right. the series from the Mavs' perspective. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I, and and not to like apply pressure to people, but like we'd already talked about, man. I mean, Jalen Brunson like did not play year one of the playoffs, and last year barely played because he really mm-hmm. struggled. I'm like, really looking forward to Jalen having a legit role in this series. There's, I mean, he he has to if they yeah. want to win, like. Whether Luca plays all seven games or whatever, forty-eight minutes per or not, Jalen mm-hmm. has to play well. Yeah, he yeah. has to. There's a lot of pressure on Jalen. Yeah. There's a lot. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on Spencer too. Not only from, you know, the the possibility of Luca being out, but he was so good off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, within the last like five six games, not as much. You right. know? Now Luca was taking. I think Luca might have been trying to average thirty a game. <laughs> he was taking a ton of shots. He's aiming for it. Yeah. yeah, he was really. He knew, he knew that number of like twenty-eight, ten, and nine or whatever. Yeah, that no one had he, ever done. he had to get there because he was yeah. he was hoisting them. But yeah. I mean, I think you know hoisting them. Yeah, Spencer's gonna have to be to be really good, I think, and you know, especially if Luke is out as a distributor too, because it feels like you know he's a very low turnover guy, mm-hmm. but it feels like he and Dwight just don't have that that chemistry. Yeah, they quite don't yet. And that's going to have to be something that's there because, you know, you need Dwight to score not only easy baskets, but also potentially get Gobert in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. But the guy that's going to be standing between you and Dwight is, like, the best defender, like, of this generation. Yeah. And so you have to be on well, point. You've got to get him playing that extra step or two back on that drop like he does against Luka. Because I think Jalen and Spencer knocking down a combined, like, 10 threes in a game is a pretty good formula to, to win. Like, I think you can survive without without Luka if Jalen and, and Spencer 
are shooting well from three, but you have to manipulate the defense to get the good look, which is forcing Rudy Gobert to drop a little bit further, a foot or two than he notices because Dwight's right there, right? Dwight's on his ear and he has to get back there. So that's a huge part of it is what's made us so special is Dwight Powell having a career year, Jalen Brunson having a career year. Both of those teams, both of those things are facilitated by number 77 and how good he's been. So all the boats are rising because the tide is rising, but then the tide isn't necessarily going to be there. So what do you, what, what, what's your answer, right? So here's the thing about Dwight, too. Mm-hmm. We were talking about earlier, Utah going to play drop. Are they going to switch? So throw out Christmas night because Luka didn't play. That was a, a weird whole deal. Mm-hmm. February 25th, Jazz played drop. Dwight scored 22 points. Yep. March 7th, Dwight scored 13 points. Jazz played drop again. In those two games combined, Dwight goes 14 of 22 from the floor. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also took a three in both of those games. Yeah, he got drop. caught. Yeah, he, he got, got caught it. with the ball in his hand on one of them uh, late shot clock. Yeah, and had to had to take one. Yeah. yeah. Um, March twenty seventh though, no Gobert. Utah started Pascal, switched everything the whole game. And when you switch everything on defense, you are preventing easy drives. You're preventing passing lanes to rim runners. You're preventing the whole roll part of the pick and roll. It is basically mm-hmm. just switch, spread the floor. Mm-hmm. Dwight, three shots, six points. Pretty much a non-factor in the offense. And, and you know, kind of rightfully did not play as much in the second half of that game. It was much more maxi, much more other guys, because you want to space the floor to punish those switches. Mm-hmm. And so if Utah is going to go into switch everything mode, Dwight becomes kind of a guy that's standing there on offense, maybe getting some second chances, maybe, you know, hustle plays, things like that. But And then you're asking yourself, okay, if he's just going to be ignored on offense or, or the role element's not going to be there, are we better off just playing Bertans more yep. or Maxi more or going for Dorian or Green at the five mm-hmm. and see what happens there? All of those questions would be easier to explore with Luca, yep. but they might have to do it. They might have to decide that without him. Yeah. And what was so effective, I think, whenever they were playing drop in those games you mentioned was it, it's dribble handoff because you all you're doing, I mean – People overthink what the pick and roll is, and you can talk to Dwight about it, and he'll give you a, a docu series of like hours. But all you're trying to do is create a foot race, and by creating a dribble handoff situation, which is like Luca's specialty number one, for some reason he just turns into this animal whenever he gets in dribble handoff situations. But you're just creating a foot race between Rudy Gobert and Dwight Powell, where Rudy has to, if he wants to defend Dwight properly, he has to not only drop, but then pivot and chase. He, he's the best defensive player, defensive big on the planet. Even he can't do that. Yep. So Dwight is a one of one dude. Yeah. In that respect, he really is. He's he's spectacular, and this is the best season of his career. And I hope people are appreciating it. You know what I mean? If Maxi's forced into that, and I literally wrote this down in my notes when I'm watching um, these games, if Maxi has a good series, this thing's over pretty quick. Like, honestly, this yeah, thing goes four or five in a game. The Mavs are gonna this play. thing's over pretty quick because he was getting open looks. And it, they were just front iron. And I'm like, man, if he shoots average on these looks that he's getting, we are up by not four. We're up by 13. Yeah. And this thing is done. And these are wide open looks. These are just 
you against the basket. You versus basketball mentally. But our guy, who we love. Yeah, yeah, my dude. Has, he's been going through it, man. It's yeah. been, it sucks. Yeah, he has, and I think it'd be a great story. I think it'd be a really fun time if Maxi has a great game or two. But if he has a good series and knocks down his shots when he's open, this is going to be a gentleman's sweep. Like, this is going to be a five-gamer. That's depending on a lot of things that we haven't seen of late. Mm-hmm. But that's how it's going to work out. And the, the other part of where I think, like, the edge can be found is Doe and Reggie versus Royce O'Neal and Boyan. I feel like that's a plus for us because I feel like I feel like Royce O'Neal might be like <laughs> Dorian in another two or three years if someone has patience with him and he learns how to like shoot effectively and is a really, really good role player, but he's not there yet, right? And I feel like him guarding whoever he's going to guard, and that's their best perimeter defender, and that's that probably shouldn't be anyone's best perimeter defender. He's good. He's, he's good, but, like, I'd rather have Doe. I'd yeah, I mean, as the, as the one, you know, no guy is good enough to, to solo. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it just so happens, I mean, Utah, not only do they only have the, the one guy, mm-hmm. but, like, they've surrounded him with two small guards. One of them is, like, 35. Mm-hmm. How old is Mike Conley, actually? Give me one second. 32? No way. Yeah, he's, he's, oh, 34. 34. Oh, 34, okay. About to be 35 in October. So a 34-year-old guard that's like 6'1", um, like a 6'3 guard, Mitchell 6'4", who's like, he's pretty thick and stocky, mm-hmm. but he's, you know, he's still undersized. Yep. And then Boyan, who's like 6'8", maybe 6'7", and he's also like 35, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, more like Luca speed. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. like, you know, not only are you only, is O'Neal kind of your only, like, reliable perimeter defender, but also, like, the other guys are, you know, very, very much targets mm-hmm. for the other offense. And in the playoff series, you know, we saw it. How often did Kawhi try and pick his matchup on offense? Mm-hmm. And, you know, whenever the Mavs were playing well against the Clippers, there weren't many good choices to choose from. Mm-hmm. You know, in the playoffs, if you give smart players multiple targets, you are going to – Rudy's going to have one fingertip over here. He's got to have one over here. He's going to be plugging a hole down here with <laughs> his foot. Like, the, mm-hmm. the dam is going to be leaky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess the things that – give me the most confidence outside of like individual matchups is the things that we've seen for 82 games now, which is that the defensive system, Mitchell, sorry, Mitchell's only six one. Yeah. He's not very big. He's not as big as he's only six one. Yeah. Very, very thick though. And very quick straight line explosiveness. Good God. Well, six ten wingspan too, which is insane. Yeah. The thing that gives me the most confidence is we've, patched together and consistently had a good defense. We're going to figure that out. And this is a team that is ripe for (laughs) influence from a defense. The other thing is that while our offense has not been, you know, uh, per possession or offensive rating top five or, you know, nuclear amongst the league, what we've done consistently well is create advantageous one-on-one matchups along the perimeter. That's what we're awesome at. Open looks or one-on-one matchups with our our three guards that we can roll in and out of there. I still, and I look at how Utah is going to face against that, and I don't know if they have an answer outside of Rudy. 
someone gets in a one-on-one along the perimeter. I don't know if there's an answer beside Rudy go fetch that guy or block that at the rim. As good as I think Royce O'Neal and Trent Forrest and Daniel House can be. Trent Forrest is pretty good. He's pretty good, dude. He was a he had some pretty good minutes when he played against us. I was surprised. He was a two-way player for them all yeah. year, I think. I was like, it's bizarre. Who? Yeah. Like, who is this man? And he was making, you know, he was doing some dynamic stuff. So, but Spencer, Jalen, when Luke is playing in the series, they should be able to turn that thing to broil. Mm. Um, so those are the two things that just overall, I'm like, this is the thing we've shown repeatedly. We can do this. We've proven it. This is the difference. This is the difference in the series is creating these situations and then carrying that, you know, seventh in defensive rating defense into the playoffs. One more guy that I'm uh, I'm dreading his mm-hmm. inevitable Gay? twenty point game. Rudy Gay. Well, okay, Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay's gonna hit a clutch shot. Gonna be very annoyed when Rudy Gay is great uh, all series long, probably. But he's, he's kind of like up. not falling. He's falling out of the rotation a little bit for them. It's kind of weird. He's um, rough defensively. Yeah, but honestly. they were whenever Bogdanovich was out at the same time. Daniel House was also out for them, mm-hmm. and Daniel House, dude, he can shoot the absolute piss out of the ball, <laughs> and you can't leave him open like you mm-hmm. maybe would consider doing with. Um, Royce O'Neal, even though Royce is a, a better shooter, this he's having a yeah. pretty good year. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't leave Daniel House open. Yeah, and he'll he does not have the conscious of like I've missed two in a row. I'm not going to take this one, or like I've made three in a row. Maybe I should like share the ball. Mm-hmm. No, dude, he will keep. He'll he'll fire away and he'll he hit seven role. or eight of them. He'll yeah. hit seven or eight of them if you leave him open. Yeah, and he's also sneaky athletic mm-hmm. and he can defend a little bit. And you know if if they go good. small like. Turbo, ultra, uber small, mm-hmm. it is going to be annoying. Yeah. It's going to be real annoying. So Daniel House is the, you know, I don't think he's going to be the X factor in any way because he's like their seventh or eighth option. But the fact that he is their seventh or eighth option is a little cause for concern. No, played great. And games three and four in particular for us that we haven't said, we haven't even said his name yet. And I assume he's in the playoff rotation. Josh, Josh Green was awesome in those games. He He's was good, just man. He was just moving at a different tempo than everybody else. Just creating looks, just Is he the best? I mean Donovan. Mm. Otherwise is is Josh the best athlete in the series? Probably. Fast, spry, explosive, probably. Endurance, yeah. Speed. Yeah. I mean Josh Green might be the fastest player in the series. Yeah. I think he is. Yeah, unless I'm forgetting somebody. Like I don't know, maybe younger Doe, but he, Man, they ran baseline to baseline. Josh was smoking him. Yeah, and Josh was like something that the Mavs haven't always had. No, you know? they haven't. Well, they have. I mean, they've had like players like that, and it's just never like, I don't know, they just haven't gotten the minutes or gotten the opportunity to figure out. Okay, I've got all these superpowers. What do I do with them? Um, and I feel like Josh is figuring that out pretty quickly on the fly. But in the games I watched, like he's. Rudy get the one or two possessions Rudy gets where he's like dribbling for any reason or like puts the ball down. Josh is like, thanks. And like picks him and is going the other way. He's flying around, like doing his thing where he gets, which drives me nuts, but he hasn't really had that many like catastrophic failures at this where he's running at the basket and jumps to pass. I'm like, that's the first thing I got benched for <laughs> playing <laughs> basketball. <laughs> that's the absolute first thing I got benched for was he's good at doing it. Yeah. But he does like, he can make the most spectacular pass you've ever seen in your yeah. life and then just, like, 
from the distance from me to you. Yeah, throw it off someone's like, foot. Like, just telegraph <laughs> some pass that yeah. gets taken the other way for a dog. Yeah. I mean, it's like he can't do the simple stuff, but he can make yeah. these amazing plays. Yeah, but, I mean, he was doing that and, like, kicking, you know, opposite corner and things like that. And I was like, okay, Josh, like, do your thing. Like, bring that juice, speed the ball up, heat it up, get up and down, create turnovers. Like, no one else is doing that in this game. This is two teams that just want to get down and play chess against each other. Uh, in half court situations, dream, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they Make just, me sweat, Mike. They really just want to get down there and, like, hold on, hold on, let me diagram this play real quick. <laughs> now, you over there, okay, good, let's they go. They do, man. Uh, Utah, number one offense this season, mm-hmm. following a dead ball, mm-hmm. Mavs, number one offense, following a timeout. Like, yeah. these are the nerdiest teams of yeah, all time, they're super nerds, absolutely. But they love to plot. Josh Green does not fit in that mold, and he's no. like. Give me that ball, and I'm running with it. Like, I'm running as fast as I can. (laughs) They need him to not get tight if he is 0 for 2. Yeah. And he gets an open 3. That's For sure. That is the the dreaded outcome that we've seen Mm -hmm. take effect in each of the last two postseasons where Dorian, Maxey, Tim having bad games. Can we count on them to take the next open shot that they get? Are they going to, like, try to not get open? Are they going to hesitate? Are they going to wait? Cost him against the Clippers two years ago. Kind of did last year, although defense was kind of a concern too last year. But, I mean, they have got to. It's green. It's, I, I don't have any concerns with Dorian anymore. I think Dorian is, is actualized. I yeah. think he's, he's right. Bullock, not afraid of. But Josh, Maxi, mm-hmm. Bertans is going to fire away. But if he's cold, <laughs> will he take a dribble? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, are they going to be thinking instead of playing. Yeah. That's the that's the concern. You cannot yeah. get into a think-off against a team like Utah that has Gobert mm. that can – if you give him an extra second, he will destroy you. Yeah. That's the thing I keep thinking about is if for whatever reason this doesn't work, you know, Luka injury or not, like what is Utah saying? Like, I'm glad we did that. Like the Clippers last year were just like let Dorian and Maxi shoot as much as they want we'll live with it play off help on to luca when we get to me josh, they're gonna make him prove it yeah josh i think josh and maxi are probably the targets the minutes they're on there like yeah make the right read swing that ball around to that guy over there like shoot it go ahead um so i think those are like the the known losses you have to take you know what i mean like things like you're just i gotta let this one go i gotta let josh green shoot five threes if he wants them um and because I don't think, like you said, I don't think it's it's not Dorian this year because he will knock down every three in the second half if you let him. If you leave him open, dude's well, not he like miss. leads the league in over four first halves and yeah. then like three for five yeah. fourth yeah. quarters. He just doesn't miss in the fourth quarter, man. Um, he's spectacular. So that's the stuff. And then I like to think about this stuff going into series or any time. <laughs> here's a, here's a life hack for you. Think about the possible outcomes of a situation. Okay, we advance with or without Luca. When we look back, or just say we're going to say we're up 2-0, going to Utah. What are we talking about that just happened? You know what I mean? And, and Luca didn't play in this scenario. Work one out in your mind if he did. Work one out in your mind if he didn't. If he did, then it's, man, praise be Casey Smith. Yeah. Love you, man. Yeah. Uh, if if Luka doesn't play and they win the first two games, 
the reason why they're going to win those first two games, obviously a, a little luck, you know, with Utah shooting. I think if without Utah, if Utah shoots to average and the Mavs shoot to average, Utah's going to win. Mm-hmm. So we got to get a little lucky. Um, or defense is going to have to be, you know. Mm-hmm. I think if the Mavs are able to win, it's going to be because Jalen Brunson is that dude. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't give an F, mm-hmm. and Dorian is making shots. Yeah. I, I don't think they're going to leave Bullock open. I think that they're going to pay a lot of attention to Bullock. I think they're going to pay a little less attention to Dorian until, mm. he, until he proves it. And if Dorian can go off like he did one of the first two games against the Clippers last year, I think he had like 21 points. Mm-hmm. He has one of those games, then you can forget about it. I mean, you're, you're going to win. Yeah. And so that's – I think we're talking about these other guys aren't other guys. These mm-hmm. other guys are Jalen effing Brunson, Spencer mm-hmm. effing Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney effing Smith. <laughs> D-F-F-S. Yeah. Um, I think that's right. Because I think about, okay, if we're getting on the plane going to Utah and we're up 2-0, what is the headline on Dallas Morning News in the Mavs section, right? <laughs> Like what is, what's what's in big lo- bold letters, and I think that's right. I think it's, it's Jalen's time. It's Jalen Brunson's time. Like, contract year. Same. What is it? Fourth season for him. This is his best season. This is his healthiest season. It's the first playoff series in which you're gonna feel the impact of Jalen Brunson, and I think that's offensively, and that's the thing people write about, right? People are gonna notice the offense. The thing, other thing I couldn't shake when watching those games is like they're gonna give us the ball too. Like Reggie's gonna get some steals, Doe's gonna get some steals, Josh is gonna cause some havoc. Like we're gonna we're gonna get some points. Points exist all around in this court that had nothing to do with Luca. Just easy ones that got us from the difference between a six point lead and a twelve point lead to where they're playing tight and they're launching threes and. That's the thing. You're going to look back and be like, I don't, can't really explain it. And then you're like, look at turnovers, points off turnovers. And it's going to be like one of those things, like those things that you can't feel during a game, but your ears are ringing so much and you can't figure out why. And you're like, oh, turnovers. We're getting fast break points. We're getting out and running. Um, have to against them, man. Yeah, you got to force it. You have to force it. Like, it's never, it's never a great idea to force anything, but you got to force the tempo um, in transition because if they set up, it's a losing bet. It's a losing bet if you do it repeatedly. So, yeah, if, we're, if we win this series or just the simple, <laughs> what are we talking about going into game three? Um, do that. Do that exercise with nearly everything in your life. <laughs> like, what? how does this work out? What happened because of it? If you want to know why Utah wins or when Utah wins – so if Clarkson gets to 22 points, or mm-hmm. 20 points, mm-hmm. 22 games mm-hmm. where he's scored at least 20 points, 16 and 6. Mm-hmm. I think that if, if Clarkson scores 20, I think Utah might win every game in this series. And so Mavs' second unit has to, has to, whether it's Green, whether it's whoever's out there, has to pay attention to Clarkson. He, other, he than, other than Clarkson or Donovan just popping off, mm-hmm. Same question to you, only reversed. Mm. Going back to Utah, Jazz up 2-0. Mm-hmm. Other than being very bummed, what are we talking about? I think we're talking about how their depth is real depth and not just guys that are making a lot of money, you know? 
Boyan has a big game. Mike Conley has one super effective like fourth quarter. Um, because that's that's the bet they made, right? Is that I get a bunch of old heads that are making twenty plus million dollars that have skins on the wall in this league, mix them with nuclear Donovan Mitchell and the best defensive player in basketball last whatever it is, two or three seasons. I think that's what we're talking about. The roster's better. Which right now I don't feel that way. I feel like it's kind of fool's gold. Like, yeah, your number next to your name on Sport Track might be higher and your career point totals might be higher, but I'll take our guys. I, I like how I like how we operate together. Um but if we're going to Utah down 02, I'm like, damn, Boyan's really good. Better than I, everyone anticipated. Jordan Clarkson probably got us one of those games, uh, which I don't. I just don't think that's gonna happen. I think he's gonna have one game. I think he's gonna have one game, one quarter where he just. That's my guy that I'm, yeah. I'm terrified. He just closes his eyes and like is just making stuff. Terrified because he can make 35 footers. Yeah, but he's had a bad. He's had a bad year. Like he's been like almost a net negative, which means he's re- he's primed. Mm-hmm. That's the way that I would say. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's due. Thirty-one point eight percent from three. Yeah, um, yeah, man. He's effective field goal bad. percentage barely above fifty. Mm-hmm. You know, much better last season. Yeah. If Luca plays and mm-hmm. is Luca, or mm-hmm. at least seventy-seven percent of Luca, mm-hmm. that'd be a good percentage. True or false? There is no way that the Mavs go zero and two in Dallas if Luca plays and has at least seventy-seven percent. That's true. That's true. If he plays, this is five or six games. Quite honestly, they're just we're just better at this moment. You caught us. They were they got up here, started fading. We started down here, and at some point, we lapped them. We caught up and lapped them in terms of quality of basketball that we're playing at this moment. And if he plays and he's right, right enough to go out there, and maybe he doesn't play the full minutes that he usually plays. Um, or it'd probably end up being the same because playoffs are so weird when minutes get broken down and rotations get shrunk. Um, but this one's pretty quick, honestly, if he plays. So I don't, I don't think there's a way that we – if he's healthy and he goes all four, five, six, seven games, we're not losing the series. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> get, get, get that cough out. That is chasing you. I drank some water and like breathed <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, it's tough. And it's one of those like as soon as you do it, you're like, Ugh! but we're good. Yeah, I mean, if he's out there, then you're winning. I mean, the thing is, players as good as Luca have answers to every single test that you can throw their way, every single question you can ask them. There is a difference between guys like Luca and Kawhi than mm-hmm. somebody like, for example, Paul George. Like to keep it within the within the Mavs family here, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can mix up your looks on Paul George, and maybe maybe freak him out a little bit. Mm-hmm. You cannot do that on Kawhi. Yeah, you know, when Paul George is right, when KP is right, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But if they're not right, then you can yeah. kind of can't do that with Kawhi. Can't do that yep. with Luca. Yeah. Not sure if you can do that with Donovan in the playoffs. Dude's mm-hmm. been pretty awesome mm-hmm. in both of his playoff runs. Yeah. They're all three. I forget how many times they've been with him. I don't remember, mm-hmm. but uh, he's been pretty amazing in the playoffs. 
But with Luka, nothing that the Jazz do outside of hitting every shot and maybe getting a little lucky in the last two-minute report mm -hmm. is going to mm -hmm. be enough to, to slow That's him down, especially in Dallas, especially. Yeah. Their, their gym is the house of horrors for the Mavs, and mm -hmm. that's something that we – it's kind of even hard to talk about because, like, a lot of these games have been kind of coin flips mm -hmm. in Utah that the Mavs have lost, but they haven't won up there. You yeah. know, they've won up there the one time in the last, like, five years or something. Yeah. Just extremely, extremely bad. I think the last time they won in Utah, actually – was right at the end of the 2015-16 regular season. Hmm. We're talking about a completely different era of both Mavs and Jazz basketball. Donovan yeah. Mitchell was in high school when yeah. that game was played. Um, it's hard to win up there. And in order to win, win the series, especially if you drop one at home, you're going to have to win at least one up there, probably. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's something else. But in Dallas, the Mavs are a different team. The Jazz are a different team. Mm -hmm. With Luka, I, I just don't see how they would lose both. Uh, yep. Without Luka... I'm still, and maybe this is maybe this is hopium, but I think without Luca, I still think they can win at least one of these games in yeah. Dallas. Role players play better at home. They're going to be juiced. They're going to be revved up, ready to go. I think early start on Saturday is kind of weird. I think it's kind of nothing really feels normal whenever mm. you're playing a game that starts at noon. Mm. But I think that they have the. I think they got the juice to to get a win in at least one of those games. Yeah, and home court advantage means so much. Utah's a bad road team. They're below 500 on the road this season. For the season, they're below 500. Including, like, 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Yeah. Like, even as good as they were, like, through December, January, they're still a negative outcome on the road. So home court matters so much. That's why you try and get as high a seed as you possibly can in the playoffs. And I know the Luka outcome of the calf strain isn't <laughs> what are you doing besides blocking my camera? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. So I know the Luca calf strain sucks. First time doing this on Twitter. Yeah, Mike. yeah. I know the Luca calf strain's tough and it sucks, but you try and get the highest seed you can get. And Jason Kidd is not over there with the ESPN alerts app, like, oh, pull him now, pull him now. Pelicans died. Pull him. This is not a thing that happens, right? So you try and get to four seed if you're at the five seed you try and get at the three seed if you're at the four seed because home court is so stinking valuable and there's a i mean i but i don't think i need to explain the importance of home court to to sports fans at the larger the larger sports intelligentsia but if luca is some middle section of i'm playing but not quite himself I still think it's every home game is home team winning and we have the advantage so I think it'd be 2-2 1-1 right and game seven here and we win right so that's baseline for me that's if you if you only play some of the series or like you know game one is going to be that's gonna be the most nervous weird energy in the AAC that has happened I'm not sure if I remember another time where it was that weird, nervous, like, uh, what are we? Like, what are we doing? It's noon. It's Saturday. Yeah. It's just a weird, that's weird time to play basketball. It's, yeah. Weird time to play basketball. It's pretty weird. It's, it's not great, but. Fans do turn up for football, though, so I'm mm -hmm. hoping, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember the last noon tip-off in Dallas. We've had 2 p.m. games or 3 p.m. Yeah. games. But that's like, 
Sunday in January against the Kings. You know, yep. it's not like game yeah. one of the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's not great, but I mean, it is a very headstrong, mentally strong, uh, mature basketball team. Like, I don't think like they're going to be sitting there at three thirty on Saturday. Like, wow, well, it wasn't a noon game. Yeah, we're gonna let that we're gonna let that affect us. Yeah, no, for sure. But it just it opens yourself up to variables that it does. It does change. They did play the great field. against Boston and Milwaukee in those early games. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's. I mean, it does it does change the math a little bit. Which is, if you can avoid that, let's let's play on an even field here. Like, don't tilt the table on me. Like, let's just let's just play and see who wins. But also, the Jazz have to deal with that. I mean, they got to deal with the same crap. Like, they're going eleven a.m. tip off for them. Yeah, they're doing the same exact crap. So. They're not going to have any mercy. Again, but just because they don't like each other doesn't mean they're just going to, like, when they introduce the starting lineup, all of them are going to walk back into the locker room and say, ah, I don't want to do this. Like, that's not going to happen. They're still going to play their butts off, play super hard, shoot a crap ton of threes, and they're going to be a very good basketball team and a hard out. With Luka Doncic, we're better. And this year, despite how much they hated each other and despite how much they choked and despite how much – Blah 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 blah. They won three fewer games than the Mavs. Yeah, <laughs> and this is like we're like we can't believe how good this season has been. Yeah, and uh, Utah is like pissed off that they only won forty. Oh, one hundred percent. And so one hundred percent. You don't want to. You know, you can't count your chickens before they hatch or anything. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, how do you feel about predictions? Predictions are weird. There's so many variables, but there's so many. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense to do them right now, not knowing if Luca's playing or not. To be honest, like. If he plays, we're going to win the series. If he plays and he's himself, we're going to win the series. If he doesn't or he plays partial, like, I can't do that long arithmetic in my head of, like, dividing what by. What if he only plays two, but then, yeah. you know. Yeah, I can't, I can't do that. I, I think game one at home, there might be enough juice and anxious energy to pull them through without him. <laughs> what was that? That was the weirdest sound I've ever heard in my entire is a, life. Is that a duck? <laughs> that oh my was, gosh. Did, did, did anyone else? Oh, wow. Did you hear that? That was like a duck. Oh my God. Did did. If if you're watching on Twitch, could you hear whatever what that has happened? What that cretinous you could <laughs> What was that? Like what toilet is that that flushed next door? Make that one not happen. Oh my god. That Holy was crap. Unbelievable. Holy crap. That was something. <laughs> wow. Yeah, dude. Why not? That was something. <laughs> but yeah, we had tacos for lunch, Mike. But I mean, <laughs> just wait for five more. That minutes. was that was a trumpet. Yeah, <laughs> that was the viscosity of whoever let that one go. Like, <laughs> my goodness, wow, that sounded like my daughter. Like sometimes <laughs> <laughs> diapers make weird noises. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was your a, daughter is fourteen years old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. So what no, were we talking about? What were we talking? You're good. Uh, I don't. I don't have like pretty, oh anxious energy at home to to carry them through games. Yeah, one. and I don't have like enough like long form division in my mind to go like oh if only plays two of the games or three of the games or four of the games. Like I just can't. I don't. That's not what I can do. Which might be the reality of it. Which is it is what it is. 
deal with it when the ball goes up in the air. But predictions on a partial Luca series, like he just this season can't end that way. It can't. It can't. It just, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let it. Like it can't. I I sure hope it doesn't, man. I mean, even if even if the Mavs lose the series. I I need Luca to be able to be on the floor for it, yeah. you know, and, I, and not a shell of himself, Luca. I need I need the Jazz. I need to see the Jazz be the better team than the Mavs over the course of seven or six or five or four games. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's what I need to see. Anything less than that, I would be really bummed. 100%. This is like the ultimate corny cliche, one game at a time thing, one day at a time thing. There's no other way to approach it because you just have no idea. I mean, the franchise is it all hinges on like a couple little a couple little threads in the back of Luca's leg. Like that's there's some just some things that are out of our control. Mm-hmm. So you can't you can't think too far ahead, you can't think too big picture because it's literally just the clichéest of clichés mm-hmm. one day at a time. Yeah. Um, and I think they have had and will have the correct approach to it. The season is so long and arduous and 82 games. So it feels, I don't know, just like the most catastrophic when it ends or it's not exactly how you want it come judgment time, which is the playoffs. But also it prepares you for every scenario you can face. Like they, they played without him for a long stretch. You know, if you played the Jazz in that long stretch, like... Seven times, what's the outcome? Like, I'm not smart enough to do that math. And, you know, they almost beat him without him on Christmas. And that was with, you know, Charlie Brown and and Pinson and Moses playing a bunch of time. Yeah. And then the second game, you are a couple uh, overturned calls in the two minute report from probably winning that game. And, I mean, realistically, you're probably, you played well enough to be three and one against the Jazz this season. And I can't think of, basketball without Luka Doncic right now involved in it so um, I'm still having some buffering issues on what that looks like and so every minute of every possession quarter um, game that he's not in is going to be like a learning experience I'm going to be like I'm going to be way too wrapped up in like what is happening what are they running is this the right thing is this the right call like if that happens so I don't know it's a new level of intrigue and like Okay, how do you, how do you fight left-handed? Um, but maybe that's all for not. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's only one way to find out, and it's just to get there. Yeah, it's just to get there. Um, any final words? Any final takes? Parting thoughts? Parting shots? Uh, no, just enjoy it, man. I say this every off-season or post-season that we're uh, fortunate enough enough to partake in. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. This is these are the moments that are worth something, that's why you care about it. You've worked this long, and I definitely have a different perspective now than I did four and a half years ago, being on the outside of just like, oh, these are the, this is the entertainment boys. They're going to go play on the screen for a little while, and I'm going to watch them, and it's going to be fun, and you know all that stuff. Like Watching how hard they work and being inside the team, it's what, what you as a fan owe the players and the team at this moment in the season is to enjoy it, be louder than hell, and support them every chance you get. That's what you owe at this point. 
They're rewarding you with playoff basketball. A home series. We are hosting a freaking series for the first time since 2011. What you owe is to be louder than hell and support this team at this point. That's all we're asking. Wear blue, be louder than hell, get into it, show up on time. Let's effing go. Before on time, Mike, <laughs> show up an hour early. Show up early, yeah, yeah. Get someone to eat, mm-hmm. get someone to drink. Go to the hangar. Now known, well, the fan shop, yeah, now fan known shop. as the hangar. Yeah. It's the same thing, but it's different. Right. Grab some gear, mm-hmm. represent, make some noise, because the Mavs and the Jazz, it's on. You got to run by the camera when you do it. Yep, that's mm-hmm. inspirational stuff, Mike, to be honest. I mean, it really is. This is this is a step forward, even if uh, it's unfortunate that Luke is out, obviously, because coming into this year, the goals were this is not mandated from Jason Kidd. This is said right here in this room by Bobby Corello. Mm-hmm. Get home court. Real win coach. A, yep. Get home court, win a series. Yep. They did the, they did the first part, which is supposed to be the harder part. Yeah. You know, home court is supposed to make your series easier mm-hmm. to win. Well, that might not be the case. You might be playing a little shorthanded for a little bit, or maybe for a lot of it. I mean, let's go do it. You know, yeah. Like, who's gonna, who's gonna feel sorry? Yeah, for Yeah, ain't, ain't no one feeling sorry for you because guess what? First play of the first game, maybe Donovan Mitchell goes down. Maybe yep. Gobert goes down. Maybe Brunson goes down. Mm-hmm. No way of knowing what's gonna happen. All that matters is the guys that are playing got to be ready to play. Mm-hmm. Got to get out there and go. And if they can do that, then let's see what happens. But they have taken a step forward this year, and every reason to believe that regardless of what happens, whether they win the first series, whether they win the finals, whether they get swept, already cannot wait for next season. Yeah. You know? yeah. This is, this is what you've earned following this team, either being a part of it or following from a distance or whatever level of involvement you have that you're here watching us now on stream or listening to us on a podcast, that your interest is, is here. You've earned this. This is the fun part. This is the time that matters. It's right now. So if you think it's cheesy to cheer loud or if you're bummed because Luca uh isn't gonna play like don't be a spoiled brat about it this is a home series in dallas texas for the dallas mavericks like this is awesome this is so cool best regular season since 2011 most wins regular season since 2011 like this is awesome this this is why you draft luka Doncic or trade your you know whatever this is why you get luka Doncic. this is like what all this is worth like this is this is it this is it, man. You can't enjoy this. Like, your heart's broken. You're the Grinch. Do it for Dorian. Yeah, That's do it for Doe. Do it for Dorian. Do it for Jalen. Dwight, my God. Like, I, I've, I see y'all. I see y'all out there on the internet, the 180s that y'all are pulling <laughs> on your Dwight pal takes. I see you. I see you. And just know that guy's having a career year, and he doesn't care if you hate him when he's, when he's not playing well or he's recovering from an Achilles. Like, he's going to work his butt off so he can be back here right now for this moment. So, I, and I see what y'all say whenever KP gets traded and, like, what are they doing? Nah, not making the playoff. You know, I see it all. Doesn't matter. All's forgiven as long as you show up and support the hell out of his game one and game Make two. Make some dang noise. I'm yeah. proud to say, Mike, I've done a complete 360 on Dwight Powell this season. Right back to where uh, you were? Yeah. Okay, that's tight. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very yeah. proud to say that. Yeah, you were for him, and then you 
He was yeah, playing just, too well. Did a, just a complete three. Too mainstream. All yeah. the cool kids like it. Now you're back. Okay. Now, now I'm see. back. I right see. in time for game one. Yeah. Um, okay, so we are going to. I don't exactly know how this is going to go, but uh, we're going to be streaming on Twitch Monday through Friday. Twitch.tv slash Dallas Mavericks. We're going to be putting out some film room stuff. Uh, me breaking down X's and O's, themes of games. That's going to be coming out on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Mavericks or youtube.com slash Dallas Mavericks. Both work. Go subscribe there. Uh, we got Damaris and Followell. They're going to be doing Take That With You podcasts. It's Game one being on a Saturday and then Easter being the next day is kind of weird, but generally they're going to do one after every game. Um, I'm sure that you and I are going to do something at the end of the series, whether they win mm-hmm. or lose. I'm also going to be doing some other stuff throughout as well. So there will be plenty of content coming from the Dallas Mavericks. Coming mm-hmm. from right here in Studio 41, presented by Chime. We're going to have all sorts of stuff. Mike, is there anything that you want to promote or anything that you else you want to say or do or think about before uh, I get us out of here? Um, the playoff hype video that y'all are going to see Friday's spectacular. It's very good. Yeah, and I can say that because I didn't do most of the work. I just did a little bit of it. I didn't um, do any of it. Yeah, you didn't do any of I'll it. I'll say it. Um, so it's not self-promotion. It's spectacular. It's going to be awesome. You're going to appreciate that. It's going to get you fired up. Um, show up. Be loud. Wear blue. Yell when we make shots. Boo when they have the ball. Like, just <laughs> get effing into it. Yeah. Stay loud. I mean, Luca might not be on the floor. But there's going to be 20,000 people screaming like maniacs in mm-hmm. the building that's going to make it seem like Luke is about to come out. You know, yeah. like home court makes a difference. Yeah. Home court makes a difference. And you know, you mm. know, Utah's fans are going to go nuts. Yes. So let's, how about Mavs fans go mm-hmm. even, even a little more nuts than that? And this, is, this is almost full circle from, what, 2000? 2001. 2001. 21 years ago. That Cal- series is old enough to drink now, Mike. Well, invited over to happiest hour or hero or something um but Dirk's first playoff series victory was against the Utah Jazz Luca's first playoff series victory might be against the Utah Jazz the Western Conference as we've talked about prior to this a few times is about as wide open as you could possibly be at this moment this might be the best chance in the early portion of Luca's career that we'll have to reach a Western Finals a Conference Finals so just go take it. Go take it, man. Just go take it. Someone's going to be writing about the team that got to the Western Finals. You know, it was, uh, what, Denver a few years ago um, in the bubble. It's like, it's, it's ripe for it. Go take it. Let's go F and do it. All right. He's Mike. That's Steph. That's Chopper. Becca left. She didn't say bye. Becca was in here. Andre was in here as well. Yeah. Um, whole bunch of stuff coming out from Loud us here over the pipe. next couple of weeks. Yeah, that was the pipe. Uh-huh. I think I, I, maybe it was something. Maybe we should be concerned. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah. So thank you for listening. We'll be back at some point here, but just just stay stay tuned on all the channels because we're going to keep on pumping out a bunch of good stuff the rest of the playoffs. So um, thank you all very much, and, and Mike, thank you, and uh, dude, in the in the eternal words of the great Michael Jordan, ceiling is the roof. Let's make it happen. Let's keep moving forward. Touching. <laughs> <laughs>